This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Hey, everybody. In this episode, we have Mike Anderson. He's the VP of Partnerships at Intel 471. This is a great conversation about threat intelligence and the future of intelligence leadership. Check it out. If you like what we're doing, check out our website, hackervalley.studio, and check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash hackervalleystudio. Let's get to it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again here at RSA with a very special guest and our host of this beautiful suite, Mike Anderson, VP of strategy at Intel 471. Yep, yep. No, great to be here. Um, I've been looking forward to it all week, so. Great. Same here. Same here. So what's been kind of the highlights so far? What are you looking forward to most this year at RSA? Well, aside from the networking, right? I mean, that's always keen for me doing things like we're doing where we're at right now, a partnership breakfast, the strategy side for Intel 471 and, and all the partners that we run into. But also, you know, the different pieces of technology that's out there. How's it going to make our jobs easier, faster, cheaper, better? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the year-over-year outlook, I think. So, right. Yeah. Great, great. Very cool. We were chatting before the podcast, and, and mm-hmm. you had this idea that actually was echoed yesterday from AJ Nash. And you were talking about an executive-level position for <laughs> Intel folks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's highly interesting to me, being mm-hmm. a threat intelligence professional, mm-hmm. because we haven't really seen anything past the leadership of an intelligence team. Maybe someone that leads a larger function that also mm-hmm. includes intelligence, but not someone whose sole position was intelligence all the way up into the C-suite. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of talk about what that idea is and, mm-hmm. and where it came from? Yeah, I mean, it's not unique to me. I think there's several people that have mentioned it before, what it exactly is and what title it would be. Paul Kurtz had mentioned it previously over at, over at True Star. AJ Nash. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people in our, with our background yep. look at the intelligence landscape from a, from a government perspective, uh, right. as well as a commercial perspective, and they, they see a lot of different needs, one of which is that cyber uh, intelligence, what, what we're here, at least my company, right, from yep. a cyber criminal intelligence perspective, how, you know, how do you apply that? It's, it's not just specifically in the cyber domain, mm-hmm. um, and because of that, that really gives rise to that thought of where are we going to go from an intelligence perspective? Is it just in the cyber domain? It can't be. Right. And so that's really where a lot of the thoughts came from that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and that AJ Nash has mentioned too is more of that enterprise level. So when you look at enterprise uh, risk management, it is the enterprise and cyber right. is a piece of that, right? So yeah, right. that would be, you know, from a top down perspective. Uh, what that role is exactly, who knows? Um, right. There's always another acronym that needs to be thrown out, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my perspective, uh, shared by others as well. Yeah. No, that's great. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense because a lot of people get kind of stuck in CTI only. In fact, I rarely use CTI as the, the acronym. I just yep. think of threat intelligence like writ large. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see that role sort of maturing? How, how, what would that role look like for somebody? That's a tricky, tricky answer. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, looking at it, I'm only going to do it from my vantage point. Yep. And I'm only going to speak to it from, you know, 
from, from the government side. The application and methodology of threat intelligence, mm -hmm. you know, how broad it, it can go. I, having someone that understands that framework and how to apply it across the organization, yep. you know, you're going to have to have a business mindset in addition to that, that practical application as an operator, right? Mm -hmm. and, and by that I mean finding a way to make uh, value out of, out of intelligence. Uh, right. Even on the cyber side, right? Yeah. You and I share the same, same elusive tracking of CTI metrics, right? Yep. So uh, how do we take the metrics and show uh, business value? And, and, and that is a challenge because when we on the CTI side speak to metrics, oftentimes it's, you know, uh, really, n you know, number-based. And you can get a lot of value out of that, what, what, you know, the meaning behind it. But it would take someone, going back to your question, it would take someone that understands the profitability, resiliency aspects of that enterprise-wide risk management, mm -hmm. and then taking those pieces from the cyber domain, yep. taking those pieces from a competitive intelligence per you know, perspective, right. uh, a physical security perspective, yep. and, and you know, bleeding them into to one, and really being able to demonstrate up to the C-suite, to the board that says, hey, when we're applying this from an enterprise risk management footing, right. we're taking all these pieces together, right. and we're really answering some of that profitability questions. Mm -hmm. Opera, you know, opera, operationalization. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that, uh, you know, that's an important piece, too. Yeah. So a multitude of those, those facets from a background, I, I would think. Yeah. So when I'm looking at risk and threat intelligence and really everything that comes along with that type of kind of technology and also strategy... How do you turn ideas into processes? How do you kind of take the ideas of taking metrics and tracking them and mm -hmm. make it into a real thing? You get people that know their space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, I would be crazy to say, well, you're going to do it, you know, A, B, C. You're going to do it this way. But I think people, for instance, in the vulnerability management space, right. getting them to sit at the table to understand where, where you know, these value-driven metrics, right? I don't, I don't have the answer when it comes to the metrics piece, but I do know that in order for us to, to show the value behind what we do, not be a cost center, right. we got to have some of that data that demonstrates that we're able to push forward the value, the business value of, in, of intelligence and in, in the tools and technologies that we're using. You know, it's always that why. So you got to have people that can come to the table for those core areas. Mm -hmm. uh, even in the cyber domain, there's a lot of different core areas in the physical domain, you know. So I think it's, you know, it's agnostic to mm -hmm. whatever domain you're operating in, but right. having the people there at the table to really help, you know, proverbially whiteboard it out with you. Right. Yeah. So I've seen a, a little bit of cyber and physical sort of coming together mm -hmm. from a, an intelligence perspective, but I haven't seen any threat intelligence with business intelligence mm -hmm. being really like pulled together. Have you seen any examples of that? And, and what could that look like? Um, not from my vantage point. Right. I mean, I share that same, that same outlook because more so on the competitive intel, I right. think. Um, yeah. You know, some of, some of the same backgrounds that we came from on the government side, but on the commercial side too, right? Having someone who came up in incident response, they're doing threat intelligence, which is, you know, amazing. And I think we need more and more of that. But the competitive intel side, I think having people with synonymous backgrounds and being able to speak the same language and understanding, you know, intel requirements and, yep. and, and, and how do you apply those? How do you actually build those? 
the relevancy from threat intel right. and what it's being used as on the competitive intel space, mm-hmm. it can be shared. And I think that vantage point is something that hasn't necessarily happened in a lot of organizations, but right. you know, we're sitting here talking about it, so I know other people are thinking it too. Right? It goes yep. back to the, you know, the, the top-down view of an enterprise intel uh, you know, officer or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right. So what, what did your journey kind of into this vantage point look like? How did mm-hmm. you get started? And mm-hmm. it sounds like the military mm-hmm. was the start of your Intel career. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm cautious about saying the military piece because there's a cultural uh, challenge that's out there. One of the things that I, I first realized when I came into uh, corporate America doing what we do mm-hmm. is understanding that there are people that do what we do that, that are, you know, don't come from the same background. Right. And that's a value that I think is overlooked, move out of their way whenever they have the right idea. You know, team with them whenever they have the right perspective. The synergy there is amazing. And I've worked with some amazing people and learned quite a bit from that perspective. So I almost got lost. Let me go back to what you were saying. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, but, but I guess it, it, it's part of that journey for me, right, yeah. is, is having no pride, realizing that you can you know, apply what, what I learned on the government side. So for me, it was, in, it was in the Air Force. I did a lot of counter-intel work, defensive in nature, and using that same, you know, principal mindset and, and corporate side, which led me to see and learn how everything is applied on the corporate side. Yeah. And then understand that, the, you know, w- the decisions that are being made are not necessarily always going to be frontline decisions. Right. How can you take that... Um, intelligence that th- those decisions and apply them across an organization. So for me, that journey really was, like I said, a, I always say a child's like mine. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a child's like mine, then that journey for me was was able to expand, and and, and I'm uh, grateful for that. Right. I'd love to hear the story of the moment where you thought, you know, I, I have all this background, mm-hmm. but I think where I'm best suited is partnerships. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what was that story? Was that, wh- when did that aha happen for you? <laughs> I was told you're going to do, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 for, yeah, for me, it's, uh, I'm a sociable guy. I like the interaction. I sat on the other side of the table as a practitioner at, at several different companies. I worked in the government side too, and, and I've worked with vendors, right? Yeah. So for me, it was really, uh, a, re- a unique hybrid of all the things that I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, being a partner uh, means a lot of different things. And partnerships for, for where I'm at and so for 71 is, is defined in a lot of different ways. And so for when, whenever I had a conversation with uh, Mark Arena over at Intel for 71, our CEO, and Jason Passwaters, it, it, they gave me an opportunity to use all those skill sets. Yep. So it wasn't really framed up as you're going to do this you know, and a name across it called partnerships. Uh, but it really resulted in that. So for me, it was more of not the aha around, you know, being and doing partnerships. Rather, it was using your skill sets, using your, your mindset and applying that because different hats that I can put on. I, I've right. been on the other side of the table. I yep. know what the challenges are. Mm-hmm. And so that I pride myself on. But at the same time, I learn constantly, right? Because mm-hmm. cha- challenges tomorrow are not the same as they were yesterday. Yep. Yeah. So from my perspective, kind of being still a hands-on technical practitioner, mm-hmm. I always, I'm always curious about like, what does the strategy side look like? Uh, what interests you the most and like, what made you kind of focus and double down on more so uh, strategy rather than being hands-on? 
Mm. That's a good one too because, you know, some days I'm I'm like, man, <laughs> being, back, being in the operations side, I missed that. I missed that. I think it was some of the things we already hit on a little bit, but tying it all in would really be, can I make a difference? Can I can I partner with someone and help them in in a in a very genuine way, right. uh, protect their organization or protect their people, their assets? It's that that mission mindset that, you know, the cloth we're cut from. I think everybody in that does what we do wants to make a difference. And so having the opportunity to work with a lot of different organizations, a lot of different pedigrees and backgrounds, and and really just making a difference. I mean, that, that, that means the most to me. I'm a big fan of, of Simon Sinek. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, yep. start you know, with why. Yeah, exactly, right. Yep. <laughs> See, my man, that's what I'm talking about. So for me, it is that why, and, mm-hmm. that, and that, that, that drives everything else, right? Yeah. Very nice. So what I'm hearing from you is a lot of push and pivot. What would you like to, to share with everyone about, you know, they want to see that enterprise intelligence officer happen. They want to they wanna be the, the, the forefront of research. They want to, you know, lead teams. What would you tell those folks that are, are trying to make it happen and, and sort of escalate themselves? Like from a professional growth professional, perspective? Professional growth. Seek out mentorship first off, right? I mean, for me, that was one of the things that I didn't realize was happening is that I was being mentored. You know, and I look back and think about the time that you know certain individuals spent with me and I I, I often think wow they, you know they must have been like man this guy's hard-headed <laughs> <laughs> but it really is a mentorship but also from a mentee and a, and a mentor right mm-hmm. I think it goes both ways right, right. don't be afraid to, to man a job in, in, yep. in a good way right because sometimes you know you, you hire the right people demonstrate your knowledge and if you you know w- with the right leadership they will move out of your way so you can demonstrate, you know, your capabilities. So those are, you know, a couple of fundamental things. But uh, I think more than, than anything else, having a passion for what you do, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not a job. You know? yeah. Really the tricky thing around having a passion for what you do is you may do it too much, right? right. Too, too many hours. And I think the burnout on that side can, can be a challenge. And so from a professional growth perspective, I, I do believe that if you're not uncomfortable about at least 20% of what you do, then mm-hmm. you won't grow, right? Because, right? you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of comfort and we're not going to break outside that comfort zone. So um, right. that probably wasn't like the most framed up answer, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think those no, things that's are great. I, I love it. I couldn't agree more with having mentors and mm-hmm. also kind of, you know, playing your part as a mentee. For mm-hmm. me, that means maybe something completely different. For me, that like really means like, asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. following up, you know, always trying to stay in the loop with who can get your, who can, who can help your network grow, who can yep. introduce you to opportunities that you weren't aware of at first. Who mm-hmm. can shorten the learning curve. Right? Yeah, that's good. Yes. That's good, right? Yeah, because time is, is, is one thing that we can't negotiate with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Time yeah. is huge. The, the mm-hmm. one thing I do want to say about burnout is that I think when, when it comes to burnout, you find that, the most burnout happens when you have someone executing against tasks that are not in alignment with their values. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone say like their passion is basket weaving, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mm-hmm. classic military uh, <laughs> underwater, basket, yeah, weaving. <laughs> underwater basket weaving. <laughs> uh, if you have someone super passionate about underwater basket weaving, they could basket weave underwater to the cows come home. Do you think that there is a, a spectrum to that? Do you think you can actually get burnt out on something that you love? I think, yes, you can if you don't 
if you don't feel that you're making an impact, that you're adding value, right? right? I play hoops, and I'm not nearly as good as I was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But every time I get out on the floor and play, you know, it's self-serving. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, I like to coach, right. Right? right? So being able to give back. So for me, it's like playing basketball with neither one of those, you know, existing. So the same in our, in our whatever career field you're in. Yep. I mean, if, if you don't have that, that self-serving value, feel good, right, about what you do, making that impact, and also, you know, giving back too, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important. So I do think you can. And I think as leaders, we should look at those who are in jeopardy of that, right? Everybody's motivation changes week right, in yes. and week out, right? Mm-hmm. So if we stay tuned with what it is that they're motivated for and everybody's different, and if you don't know your, your, your people uh, upwards and downwards, then I think the risk of that is high, you know, can become higher. So yep. I, I think a, a responsibility for that is it takes a village. And, and even in our, our, our space, we've got to yeah. operate the same way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me, there's just so many things that you can do. Like, I've been introduced into so many more, like, mindful activities. Like, mm-hmm. even playing basketball could mm-hmm. be, like, very, like, mindful. Like, mm-hmm. I'm taking some time out for myself mm-hmm. and doing something that I also love that's mm-hmm. not 100% this thing that I'm good at, mm-hmm. really good at, that I love and that I also get paid for. So I think, like, just taking the time out for, like, even basketball is, like, really going to decrease the burnout and also help you have, like, a – longer career you know life and just in general yeah no, I, I agree do you play ball at all no no I, I've always done like combat <laughs> sports like wrestling oh. MMA jiu-jitsu that's, right that's kind of so don't get on the court with them <coughs> that, that's hey, what I was thinking hey, that's hey, what I was thinking. hey don't do it there, there is a thing about wrestlers not being able to play basketball because the seasons are the exact same time yep I remember I think one day we were like hey let's do something <laughs> different for warm-ups and we like went downstairs and, and played basketball I, I'm glad I'm glad YouTube wasn't a thing then because if, if there was footage out there of that I'd be laughing stock of the, of the NBA but <laughs> No, I, I, I completely get it. You know, being a part of a team is definitely one thing. But then there's also, like, self-accountability as well. Mm-hmm. But then even being on a team, there's definitely self-accountability because mm-hmm. you want to let yourself down and you don't want to let your team down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, I appreciate you, you know, being on the show. Thanks for hosting this. This is, this is fantastic. Uh, for people that want to stay in touch with you, mm-hmm. stay in touch with the company, uh, what are some ways that people can do that? Well, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, and we have our website, right, Intel 471. Yep. But I'm also here at RSA, so I'm sure there's a massive amount of people listening right now. I'll be downstairs at the du- – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, shoot, shoot an email, uh, LinkedIn, our webpage, but uh, whether it's a hangout, chat, whatever it is. But, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on as well. It means a lot. Yes, well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Really appreciate it, and see you all next time. All right.